Hello OG team, it's your dad, Paul Salt here. This episode was recorded before the tragic passing of Burt Reynolds on the 6th of September 2018, at age 82. Reynolds gave impassioned and charismatic performances in countless films such as Deliverance, Smokey and the Bandit, and OGT favourite Boogie Nights. And, as you're about to hear, Peter Bogdanovich's Long Last Love as well. He was a class act and this episode is dedicated to his memory. We're sorry it's so disrespectful. And that's what I have to say about the Swedes. Now the Welsh, the Welsh, those pack of... Oh. Hello. Can we... Can we help you? You... Sorry, this is our review of Peter Bogdanovich's At Long Last Love. Are, are you looking for grown-ups too? It's just down... No? You actually want to hear us? Alright, fuck it. <laughs> Sliding down history to explore the panned movies of yesteryear. I'm Paul Salt. You're the top. <laughs> oh, yeah, I am. And that makes you the bottom. Oh. Oh. I didn't think that when you asked me to, to say <laughs> you're the top I, I was and pay that. you a compliment, I didn't realize you're actually going to turn that against me. <sighs> Sorry, man. Okay. Um. <laughs> Today, it's going to be at Long Last Love, the 1975 musical romantic comedy film starring Burt Reynolds and Sybil Shepherd, featuring the music of Cole Porter, who had died some ten years earlier. Conveniently. At long last, eh? <laughs> <laughs> some said. Peter Bogdanovich, who was waiting in the wings to make a movie out of his songs. But not whilst he's alive. <laughs> and we're going to give it ten years just to make sure. Do you reckon this is what's going to happen with Alan Moore as well when he, when he dies? All the all the rights to all the stuff that oh, he fuck. hasn't yet sold are just going to go for a pound. There's going to be such a shit show when Alan Moore dies. It's going to be ridiculous. Oh my God. Prometheus Five. <laughs> Was it Prometheus or Promethea? I can't remember now. Pre- whatever. They pro- they'll get Anthony Horowitz to write <laughs> it from Hell too. <laughs> Fantastic. Did he plan a, ser- a sequel to From Hell? Pretty sure he did, says Anthony Horowitz. <laughs> this one is set fifty years later. Um, yeah, same story though. <laughs> same story, different surgeon. <laughs> um, different surgeon, same massacre, same victims. Sam Harris this time. God. <laughs> the critical reviews of the film bespeak a much bitchier time for film criticism. Starting us off is John Simon at the National Review. The film may be the worst movie musical of this or any other decade. Sitting through this movie is like having someone at a fancy Parisian restaurant who neither speaks nor reads French read out stentoriously the entire long menu in his best Arkansas accent and occasionally interrupt himself to chortle at his own cleverness. Sybil Shepherd, Mr. B's inamorata, plays a poor snotty rich girl with a notion of sophistication that is underpassed only by her acting ability. I shall not even sully my pen by making it describe her singing and dancing. If it weren't for an asinine superciliousness radiating from her, Miss Shepherd would actually be pitiable, rather like a kid from an orphanage trying to play Noel Coward. Next up, Frank Rich steps in. 
The most perverse movie musical ever made, a colossal, over-extravagant in-joke. Every time his stars open their mouths or shake their legs, they trample on Cole Porter's grave. As for Shepard's dancing, the best to be said is that it may not be recognisable as such. When this horsey ex-model starts prancing around, she tends to look as if she's fighting off a chronic case of the trots. Very measured there. Wow. Next up, (laughs) Bruce Williamson writing for Playboy, because it's where I go for movie criticism and tits. (laughs) Well, you had it open already. (laughs) It was just there. Oh, wow. This is pertinent. (laughs) Uh, He bemoans, Giulio del Prete, an Italian discovery with no voice, sings as if he came to paint a mansion and stayed on to regale the company with wobbly impersonations of Louis Jordan and Maurice Chevalier. Excellent. Bit of classism in there. Got to get it all together. And finally, John Barber, writing for Who the Fuck Cares at this point, said, If this Peter Bogdanovich fiasco were any more of a dog, it would shed. Bird Reynolds sings like Dean Martin with adenoids and dances like a drunk killing cockroaches. <laughs> Everybody fucked each other, <laughs> came in the Chardonnay, drank the Chardonnay, and then beat up several homeless men. Fucking hell, the 70s was a different time, wasn't it? It was, right? I can't imagine Mark Kermode <laughs> getting all up in that. Not even Ebert would would do that. <laughs> Ebert liked this. Oh, did he? Yeah, oh. and he was just looking around at everyone else, <laughs> licking up each other's drippings. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with all of you? He just used the word stentoriously. Did did he feel like the person you know those people who are like in suits who are all looking really hopeful on the losing side of an election party? Oh. <laughs> Whilst the winning side just tears at their clothes. Yeah, Jesus Christ, that was rough. That was fucking awful. Horsey. That woman is fucking radiant. Jesus. <laughs> I feel like I just snorted Caligula's rain <laughs> directly into my eyeball, through which I can snort. I feel like I was just b- bummed by Betty Davis. <laughs> she would do it. And you, and you trusted her too. <laughs> you always trust her. That's what. That's how she gets you. That's uh, <laughs> ties in nicely to my uh, new autobiography coming out. Never trust <laughs> Betty Davis. <laughs> Never trust Betty Davis. Brackets. She bummed me <laughs> by the boy who was bummed by Betty Davis. <laughs> <laughs> Davis. Me. This guy. <laughs> a picture of you on the cover, <laughs> holding a picture of me, <laughs> pointing back at the real me. <laughs> what the fuck is this cover? I hate it. I want to know the story, but I can't get past this thing. So well written, though. Betty Davis just peeking in from the corner, menacingly. <laughs> but with my face on her face. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> this guy. <laughs> if, she, if Betty Davis bums you whilst dressed as you and disguised as you, <laughs> doing a sort of off, off-piste imitation of you, that's just, that's just not on. Won't hold up in a court of law. It won't, though. No, not judge in the land or convict you. <laughs> Uh, the movie going <laughs> public were equally unimpressed by the film. Uh, Peter Bogdanovich, the director, um, writing for the Directors Guild of America, said, I didn't have accomplished singers or dancers. This was not a great way to get into it. I had planned to cast Elliot Gould, which would have been a lot easier because he was a singer and a dancer. But Reynolds held us up quite a bit because he was not a natural with it. I, taught, I was talked into Bert, and I liked him personally, but he was not the best choice, and he held us up a lot, and it screwed us up a lot. Quite a angry member of the public there. Yeah, brimming. Oh. A lot of people are talked into Bert, aren't they? <laughs> I was talked into Bert by. by the boy who was talked into Bert by Betty Davis. <laughs> <laughs> now it's your turn. What does your cover look like, Paul? <laughs> it's just me. It's just me saying that. No words. <laughs> 
People get it. Spe- what, a spe- speech bubble or just you with nope, your mouth nothing. open? Supposedly <laughs> mid-sentence. <laughs> Is he laughing? Is he dreaming about a sandwich? Mr. Salt, were you actually mid-sentence when this picture was taken? That's a very interesting story. We tried several versions mid-sentence. Um... None of them really captured the uh, the full impact of um, I was talked into getting bummed by Burt Reynolds <laughs> by Betty Davis. So in the end, we had to use um, a marionette uh, disguised as me. And you can probably see um, the incredibly poor quality around the uh, face and uh, the strings and the puppeteer in the background there. And um, being bummed. me actually further back in the background there being bummed <laughs> by <laughs> Betty Davis whilst um, Burt Reynolds looks on. Talking. Talking, you see, he did it mid-sentence. He got it first time. He's a pro. Yeah. Uh, not like me. I'm just a. I'm just a boy. I'm just a boy getting bummed by Betty Davis. <laughs> Is that a No Doubt song? <laughs> God. Oh, come on. Let me move on to my next member of the public. Oh, all right then. Having so much fun with this. <sighs> Peter Bogdanovich said, <laughs> "Nobody, nobody quite understood what I was trying to do, and I'm not sure I understood what I was trying to do at the time. I, na- I see now quite clearly what I was trying to do." <laughs> I was making a movie about people who couldn't talk to each other. It was about people who couldn't communicate, so they talked in greeting cards, and they brought greeting cards in the form of songs. And they sang songs because they didn't know what to say to each other. It wasn't really a musical in the conventional sense, which is why we did everything live. I didn't care so much about the musical part of it. I wanted it to seem like people talking, only they were singing. But Peter Bogdanovich is one of those people who's way more eloquent in the art form that he's pursued than in real life. <laughs> You know, and there's a there's a kindred spirit there, because I because I feel like <laughs> the what the words I write are pretty good, the words I speak yeah. are pretty wood. Oh, so you don't consider this podcast your your art form? This is more a bit on the side to sort of supplement your creativity. <laughs> you know how Vincent Van Gogh had a podcast <laughs> about really shit art that he and his mate would go around and try and look for good brushstrokes in, and then he would go home and do incredibly tortured studies of the soul. But he made it with a really eloquent and likable art critic is the thing <laughs> who everybody who shot him whom everyone appreciated okay i've only got one more okay. um peter bogdanovich said oh yeah it was an original musical comedy and we only had two previews two the first one was a total disaster in san jose and the second one in denver was okay it played but then i made some changes to it because of pressure from the studio and didn't preview that version so that version which had never previewed opened and it was the worst version there was it was fucked. Then I saw that playing and I realised what I needed to do, but by then it was too late. And by what he needed to do, he meant cut three minutes. <laughs> That's it's... what the difference was. After that, gold. Still, Roger Ebert liked it. So, Paul, you poor young millionaire. Rodney. What's one thing about a long-last love that made you want to misbehave? Cole Porter's now a one-man, so fingers crossed we find <laughs> something else somehow. <laughs> Yes, he deserves it. That should be his real <laughs> legacy. I was I was excited to see Cole Porter was a was a part of this movie, against his will or not, you know. <laughs> and Nell pointed out that in reviews that she'd read in preparation for the film, so that I didn't have to do any, that um, <laughs> well, this explains a lot. Yeah, Cole, Cole Porter fans would be disappointed with this, was what Nell told me. Oh no! But, but I was, you know, I'm a half Cole Porter fan, and that everything I've heard of Cole Porter, I've appreciated. Excellent. How do you feel about big band jazz versions of those? In the style of 30s musicals, performed live on stage, on set. By untrained singers and dancers. Yeah, as they tap dance. Pretty good. Oh, good. Well, you yeah. know I think you'll like this one. Oh. Okay, let's start. We start with a music box, very elaborately designed, twirling yeah. away, demonstrating two couples who then change female partner. 
Yeah, then carry on dancing. Very much like Pebble and the Penguin. It's a nice, concise summary of what's to happen. Yeah. And by concise, it goes on for about half a minute too long. But as you know, it takes a long time for the bit, for the mechanical bit of the two women to turn around. Uh, we get introduced to Kitty. She comes yeah. in with uh, some kind of disappointing boyfriend saying yeah. some snazzy dialogue and drunk out of her head. I wouldn't talk if I were you. Oh, that's one thing I am not, thank God. What? You. What? You, you big weasel, I'm not you. Played very well by Madeline Kahn, who was also in Blazing Saddles as Lily von Stupp. Excellent. That's the last time I expect that film to be mentioned. Yep. She, she's a bit she's a bit of a wreck. Um, the guy, the yeah. very English guy, breaks up with her and uh, <laughs> she goes and sings a drunken song. Yeah, he says, you can't, under- you can't understand anything whilst you're pretending to be drunk. You take that back, <laughs> hick. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she, she sings that song. And it's a song all yeah. about being her. It's actually, it's quite similar to how I am when I'm sort of alone in the flat, just staggering around, singing inanely, throwing things about the place. <laughs> throwing glass off the balcony. Yeah, I can relate. Without looking. Yeah. Ah, that's a bullseye yet again <laughs> Another dead vicar Why does she hate the Anglicans so much? Who knows? Anyway <laughs> Then we move on to uh, Johnny Spanish, right? Johnny Spanish winning at a card game Yeah he's uh, He wins a card game and he sings his way out of the apartment Whilst everybody really looks like <laughs> they'd rather he wasn't singing Because it seems really gauche Yes, yes, tomorrow It's all gonna be grand tomorrow You'll start leading the band tomorrow We live in a new land I say this to myself in Venice And here I am You should have stayed in Venice <laughs> Because there ain't gonna be no sorrow Tomorrow Tomorrow, I can't afford to get home. <laughs> Your luck you... is going to change and you'll find it all out. Tomorrow, <laughs> what am I going to tell my wife? Oh, God. <laughs> I hate you, Johnny Spanish. And he goes home and, well, he's, he's living in a, in a bed sit. Yeah. And uh, he takes off his suit, which isn't really a full, a full suit, which is quite good. <laughs> He yeah. puts his money under the bed. He a, looks like... He's painted a suit onto himself. <laughs> he licks it off like, a, like an Italian would. Like an Italian and then, cat. Um, and, he go, and then he goes to sleep in a, in a kennel like an Italian would. And yeah. That's the end of that. And then, yeah. and then we go with Sybil Shepherd. Well, horsey at this actri- point... Horsey model. <laughs> horsey ex-model dating Peter Bogdanovich. What's the <laughs> word that was fucking used to describe what she is to him? She's his inamorata. God, so the seventies was amazing. Thanks, John Simon at the National right. Review. He represents the nation. I guess in the uh, three three day weeks and power cuts, he had to do something. <laughs> Reading the dictionary must have been prime entertainment. <laughs> I assume it means fuck, buddy. Anyway, Shepard comes on. I fall in love with her. She has a bath. I faint. Yeah. Um, she's also singing. They're all singing about how you know Cole Porter everything is. That's that. She's got a maid. Uh, oh. <laughs> Um, and then finally, finally, yeah. be- stop beating the clamoring crowds because Burt Reynolds yeah. comes on screen. Fuck yeah, he does. Being driven by uh, Blazing Saddles mainstay John Hilleman as Rodney yeah. James. hunting all over for pleasure with some measure of success. Are you singing to me, sir? No, I was singing to myself. Yes, sir. Go right ahead, sir. I've decided the pace known as rapid but but enough about him but reynolds is michael oliver pritchard the third an heir yeah. and uh yeah. he's he's bored he's bored of of dining and whining 
and bearing <laughs> and and yeah man and and fucking all the chicks and fucking all the chicks signing he's gone courting fucking yeah. like courting aha uh-huh. now he's gonna liven things up by fucking murdering two people at least <laughs> yeah at least <laughs> he, the adren- he adrenaline junkie his- <laughs> He gets out of his car onto the side of the car. Yeah. And then fucking just runs into a woman, Kitty, takes her head clean off her shoulders, yeah. sending the fucking butler, whose name is Donald? Rodney. Rodney, sorry. Blazing Saddle's mainstay, John Hilleman, Paul. <laughs> sending him to his death off the edge of a cliff. Yeah, brilliant. Comes out of the windscreen, his head comes off. And uh, in, in the morgue, once he's identified both the bodies... <laughs> He, uh, he he constructs a, a ghoulish marionette opera where he controls both characters. There was something I wanted to say about the doorman that Kitty has, but I can't remember what it is. Well, he's practicing a line or something that yeah. he never ever gets to to practice. Yeah, and she's that's it. She's trying to get through the door, and it's just going round and round in circles whilst he keeps ambling on about some fucking line. One lovely little time, is it a boy or a girl? A girl, you should dress her differently. And it's like a nightmare hell of, of repeating where nothing <laughs> is going to ever change. Holy improve. shit. Do you think that this was the four minutes that was cut from the movie <laughs> and it was a song that was so bass, so foul <laughs> about this doorman and his appetites? <laughs> yeah. Or I've seen many people come through my door as an orphan. I fucked him. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! I, 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 listeners at home, he he did he did frozen jazz hands, and it was better than anything I've ever said. So they, they cut the doorman's ghoulish carry on, and um, yeah, that happens. It turns out that at, everyone's back from a horrible, horrible death. Yeah, there's a there's a really charming. Um, sort of three-way conversation between Burt Reynolds, Blazing Saddles mainstay, John Hilleman, yeah. and oh fuck yeah, uh, that's great. Madeline Kahn, Blazing Saddles mainstay. He used to drive for me. Yes, uh. and they decide if then you know now they're not dead, why not go on a date and have some sex? Awesome, I'd do that with either of them. Yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah. So meanwhile, speaking of which, Sybil, Sybil Shepherd goes to the horse races so she can join yeah. all her fellow horsey-looking folk. <laughs> Yep, she's uh, accosted very briefly by Blazing Saddles mainstay Burton Gilliam. And, uh, Is and that the she... fucking guy she says to, um, you ain't cute? And he goes, oh yeah? <laughs> yeah, well. Who you go... calling not cute, bitch? <laughs> I'm fucking adorable. <laughs> she meets Johnny Spanish by going up to him and saying, excuse me, could I go in front of you? Oh no. Well, fuck you then. <laughs> yeah. I hope you asshole. die. I hope your fucking horse dies. Asshole. And you catch AIDS <laughs> from the horse. Somehow, I hope a bit of the AIDS horse flies yeah. off of it and lands in your mum. <laughs> Fuck you and every part of you. And I hate you people. I can't let you go in front because um, I already told this little old man he could go in front of me. <laughs> Fuck him too. I'll stuff him up here. AIDS wish on him too. So they... <laughs> AIDS wishes all round. <laughs> Have an easy Christmas, everyone. But And they end up next to each other whilst they bet on the horse. Johnny Spanish wins because he's a, he's a, a gamble king. He's fucking God. He yeah. never loses a bet in this whole fucking thing. And yet no. somehow he's impoverished. Yeah, it makes you ex- wonder, doesn't it? What, he, what his yeah, proclivities are. What's he doing? <laughs> where's it going, Johnny? They get brought together in a, in a play that Kitty's appearing yeah. in. Um, an interesting little musical uh, event. Yeah. In which she dreams about being with a primitive man. Yeah.
to a club, but the club that has a club that belongs to him. I've been with thousands of men again and again. Does that reflect poorly on the fact that she eventually ends up with the Venetian bloke? No, don't worry about that. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, <laughs> it's fine. No, that's not what's meant. Yeah, and that that goes off that goes off rather well. Yes. Well, it turns out that um, what's her name? Uh, Horsey X model. Sybil Shepherd. <laughs> Of course, how could I forget? How could I stop screaming for even a second <laughs> long enough to forget that horsey face? That gorgeous fucking woman that I've been thinking about nonstop since seeing this fucking film. Sybil Shepherd. Um She happened to go to high school yeah. with Kitty. P S she and twenty two. Yes, because they have a song. P S one two two one two two because high schools have songs apparently yeah. this is a thing i didn't know yeah oh he... bexley heath secondary school <laughs> <laughs> let's vote in the tories again mediocrity awaits Whose <laughs> lyric because better fans you you decide I think ours was either Crawling by Linkin Park or the song that the rugby the rugby team sang when they put nerds in the bin. Which Because it was a sports song, you couldn't make out any of the words. It sounded like 20,000 people were singing it at once. Prick in a bin! Prick in a bin! <laughs> they all go for a high society dinner, but they're all having like little things. And then this ends with a gag in which one of them undoes another's tie, which yeah. leads to that person undoing another person's tie. And eventually it leads to all-out warfare. Yeah. Just people going at each other, tong and <laughs> tong and tong. Literally at each other's throats. Tongs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> Lovely. Burt Reynolds. That's a class act gag, sir. But, literally, but also Burt Reynolds tears the larynx out of an old man. <laughs> he was right to do it, weirdly. Yeah. <laughs> um, they all end up in the car, along with Sybil Shepherd's maid um, and Burt Reynolds' butler. Yeah. Who they decide to get drunk whilst he's driving, because why the fuck not? And he crash- crashes into the house, and it's next morning. Some, they're all, it is they're next all morning. About doing doing things. Kitty's off doing a walk or some ungodly thing, as Burt Reynolds says. <laughs> and there's a, a scene where the two butlers are trying to, well, they're having a sort of a come on and a back off. Yeah. Sort of. But are you fond of riding, dear? Kindly tell me if so. Yes, I'm fond of riding, dear. But in the morning, no. No? No. Well, are you good at shooting, dear? They tell me if so. Yes, I'm good at shooting, dear. But in the morning, no. One of those classical sort of overeager style thing, which doesn't become rapey yet. Yeah. Give that a bit. But anyway, Johnny is outside and thinks to himself, God, am I actually in love with Sipple Shepherd or is this just a is this just some sort of passing infatuation? Oh well, let's try and fuck this chick. <laughs> and he immediately comes on to Kitty. Oh, he's a 30s mate. Yeah, you know, you Any- gotta move on. Anything goes. Bert Reynolds, meanwhile, continues to sing in spite of the fact that he has sliced his face clean off of his body with a razor. Never used one before. <laughs> Why did I decide to try this today? <laughs> of all days. I'm such an idiot. Um, yeah, Sybil S- S- Shepherd is putting cucumbers on her face, but she- and she's also, she sings and she swipes them off because what the fuck is she doing? What the fuck is she doing? But... Why did Burt Reynolds apply shaving cream to his moustache that he had no intention of shaving? Well, is this... Is this uh, moisturizers. Is it just to remind himself not to shave that bit? <laughs> Tell you what I'll do. I'll put shaving cream on the bits I want to shave, but I'll put extra shaving cream on the bits not to shave to remind me. <laughs> ah! He ad-libbed that bit. 
He didn't really get what ad lib means. <laughs> he thought it meant shaving cream. <laughs> Brilliant. So they have all the saying about whether they're actually in love or not. And then... Whether it's love or a stroke. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. They all get invited to a fancy racket club. They do indeed. If that's a thing. I don't know what it means. Yeah. It's a club where they got to make a racket. Yeah. That scene begins. Wes Anderson sits up and goes, hang on a minute. <laughs> Woody Allen is riveted throughout. And yeah. um, they, sing, they sing another song. And then Burt Reynolds goes off and fucks Sybil Shepherd, ex-horsey yes. model. <laughs> <laughs> they go off and make out. And um, yeah. it's very unclear to me whether or not their singing is actually symbolic of sex or if Burt Reynolds is singing because he doesn't want sex. But then they do just fuck. So then they have fun. sex. Yeah. yeah, then they fuck. It's great. But not before being seen by Johnny Spanish and Kitty. Kitty they, and Kelly. They see their partners off fucking each other. So they figure they're going to try a bit of a ruse, an elaborate ruse in which they're going to now make out in front of the other couple to try and make them jealous. And they do it at the baseball game, uh, boxing ring, uh, the <laughs> yeah. movies, Cinema, yeah. in his kitchen, up yeah. against his mum. <laughs> up against Burt Reynolds. <laughs> Inside of his moustache. Hanging off the moustache. And Burt Reynolds <laughs> can't stand it. Turns out that he's, he's really jealous. And in the cinema, he goes to confront Johnny. They have yeah. a big old punch-up. They have a bit of punchy cuffs. And yeah. they then, then they're friends all of a sudden. Sybil well, Shepherd is... Johnny confesses that it's just a ruse. At which point he's like, oh, yeah. thank God. Well, that worked. Anyway, you want Sh- you want uh, Shepherd back? Yes, please. All right, fine. Yeah. I'll go tell her. I'll go tell her yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 Sybil Shepherd. Uh, you know how you've been falling for me a bit? <laughs> Turns out that uh, I don't really don't really want you, Johnny. Johnny I want Spanish Kelly. Did. Look, I gave him the keys to you, and he gave me the keys to Ke- yeah. uh, to Kitty. So yeah, I guess we know who's going home and what. <laughs> yeah, in a what? Brilliant. <laughs> and he um, climbs in. Yeah, to Sybil Shepherd. At this stage, the plot gets a little bit fuzzy. Everybody kind of floats away from each other. Nobody's quite with who they want to be. Johnny goes off on a ship to do something. Is it just across? Is it? Is this set in New York? Because it could just yeah. be going off to. Is it Staten Island or whatever? Oh, okay. New York, America. How do you work? But there's a very much sense of goodbye to Kitty in it. The ruse yeah. is over. This is the last game, I think he says. So yeah, they all kind of go away from each other. Everyone sings about ten songs each, extending yeah. the runtime of the plot <laughs> by thirty minutes. Yes. At, at some point near the end, there's a big ball, and um, yeah. Burt Reynolds and Johnny Spanish and the butler come in. They all have a dance and they all try to make amends, but ultimately this is a bit of a no-exit situation. Uh, as a Sartre yeah. reference for your, your tragedy musical review. Everybody cool. loves someone they can't be with. Yeah. And the movie ends rather grimly with that music box from the beginning, with the interchanging dancing lovers grinding to a stop with nobody coupled. And the thing ends morosely with everybody alone. Yeah, that was out of place. So that was the end of Long Last Love. Ah, Long Last, right? What do you think? What I think? What did I think? Is it a masterpiece? Or a piece of schlock? Is it Porter's Porterhouse? Or Peter B's cock? Is it a pastiche? This feeling of oh, or is what I see, Rich Nouveau. Is it for all time, or one for the bins? Is this nerd writer, or cinema sins? 
Do I like this more than I should? Or is it at long last good? Hey, Paul. Hmm? What, what do you call the region that's a television publication territory covering most of Asia, Africa, Europe, South America, and Oceania? I, I dread to think. It's pal. I love it when you call me pal. I'm disconnecting the Skype call. Well, as my singing indicated, I quite liked it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've, I've, I've got to say, I quite liked it. As my as my snide remark about five minutes ago indicated, it went on a little bit too long for me. It could have been a tight 90 or a tight 100. Probably. For, some of but, the song numbers weren't very memorable, it has to be said. They were just kind of filler. Yes. They were just there. Yeah. But having said that, there were some memorable ones. For example, yeah. I woke up at 5am this morning thinking <laughs> thinking about Well Did You Ever, the, the Racket Club song. <laughs> oh, I love that bit because it's actually... One thing is about it is it's motivated. All we know is mm. the four people... Because a lot of it is just Cole Porter songs somewhat awkwardly shoved into a situation that may yeah, or may somebody not. will walk into the scene. They'll, yeah. walk, they'll walk five <laughs> metres into a scene and just go, Well! <laughs> and it's, like, and it's oh, like, okay, we're singing then. What did we learn about their situation from that song? But here, they're bored. They're bored at a party, and they're making fun of the people they're there with. Have you heard? It's in the stars. Next July, we collide with Mars. Well, did you ever? What a swell party this is. Have you heard? Professor Munch ate his wife and divorced his lunch. Well, did you ever? What a swell party this is. And yeah. the song fits that situation. It's funny. The tune itself is memorable. It's yeah, that's one of the better bits, and I think yeah. that is a good demonstration of what's weak about some of the other bits. Yeah, because hmm. this is what I was expecting going into the musical. Actually, was that well, it's just going to be a number of things where somebody's going to mm. walk in, and there's going to be a brief exchange. Like I tell you, I'm sick of working nine to five. <laughs> well, let me tell you what's worse. What's worse than working nine to five? Not having a dame. You know, <laughs> to take my name, you know, that, that kind of thing. Yeah, and it, but it wasn't. It was people walking into a scene and then just going, <laughs> oh, "I better start singing." Because I can't this think one... of a fucking way to introduce this bit. Remember this one? It would be like even Mamma Mia. Here we go again. They uh, a character just walked <laughs> in and was like, "Super Trooper," da, 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 and it's like. What? Who are you? Yeah. The singing's fine from what I can tell. I have a bit of a tin ear for it. All recorded live, which adds a bit of energy to it. The fact that you can tell people have just started belting this shit out. I really appreciated that, you know? Me too. The criticisms of there not being real dancers and there not being real singers. We've heard this criticism before, haven't we, Paul, from 2016, I think. Yeah. With La La Land. Oh, yeah. And and what I have to say to that is fuck off. It doesn't matter. (laughs) I mean, La La Land had far more impressive musical showcases than this i think but i didn't i didn't find myself minding that they weren't that they weren't yeah. trained singers or dancers because i thought there was a certain charm to the everyman the everyman-ness of yeah it. they're just f- for folk I, I i assume that well did you ever the racket club song was a cole porter original because it was there were some really great lines in it and yeah i, I woke up with that in my head at 5 a.m fucking kill me i felt like i was going insane because it was just Oh, you should have watched Pebble and the Penguin again, like I had done just hours before watching this thing. 
don't make me laugh. But there was that and uh, friendship song I really liked. And I'm yeah, trying to, I'm trying to think now of the. Oh, my one of my favorites was um, the butler and the um, the lady oh, in yeah. the sort of pursuit and retreat song. Yeah. Are you fond of wrestling, dear? Kindly tell me if so. Yes, I'm fond of wrestling, dear. But in the morning, no, 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 no. no. But in the morning, morning no. no. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, there was some... Dudley, is that you? What was his name? I keep getting Rodney. his name wrong. It's Rodney. I'm simply not a rod. <laughs> that is the diminutive. He was my favourite. He was Rodney my favourite. was my favourite thing in and, this. And I, I think the issue for me is that all the, all the charm that they exuded in the songs, because Sybil Shepherd fucking oozed it in the, in the songs. Yeah. I loved her in those. Gosh. But... There wasn't yeah. enough charm to go around for the for the non-singing. Maybe. I don't know. It, part of me wonders, because where this really... And again, you know, we're going to talk about La La Land later, but yeah. where La La Land shines is in the moments between the songs. Yeah. And that's where this doesn't shine, unfortunately. It's, yeah. um, it, it is a, a case that the songs are the best part, and that the... Um, it's interesting what Bogdanovich said about the idea that these characters can't talk to each other. They can't be open with each other. Hmm. And so they reveal themselves through song. But because the songs have to be Cole Porter songs that weren't written for this film. Yeah. It's not the greatest insight into what they're actually feeling. Like yeah. when um, Sybil Shepherd's in her flat singing after Johnny's left. Yeah. And things seem to have fallen apart of Burt Reynolds. And she's singing I Get a Kick out of stuff. Yeah. Which is also in Blazing Saddles. Yes. And I just don't really know what she's feeling or thinking or doing yeah or wearing yeah <laughs> well you're just looking in her eyes weren't you you can't Ugh. be expected to pay attention to that... everything in that scene yeah I, I i think in that in that situation you re- i mean you do need to know what they're feeling and if you're not doing it in the music yeah. then it has to be in the has to be in, in the, the talky bits in the talky bits yeah and, and, it, yeah. and it wasn't there were some like i said there were some really great moments the when when burt reynolds doesn't f- the gladly doesn't kill kitty o'kelly <laughs> that, that's a really great yeah. conversation that there's there's a couple yep. more between sybil and johnny and a few other things going on yeah and i like the first one i like like the, the moment they start the film with where she comes in and she's all sass and um it's something like um i wouldn't have anything more to drink if i were you well thank you that, thankfully that's something i i'm not what yeah you huh it's yeah. just... <laughs> I just have a couple of drinks to unwind. You mean unravel? <laughs> Come again? No, I don't think I will. <laughs> Not with you. Not ever. Not after <laughs> Betty Davis. No. I already came in the car. What? <laughs> uh, uh, sorry. Uh, shit, I forgot it was the 30s. Um, <laughs> I mean... Fuck, fuck you. <laughs> is, that, is that a thing? <laughs> fuck you, Mildred. No, I don't think you shall. Good night. Oh, thank God you saved it. Ta-ra. <laughs> this being a musical also relying quite a lot on the comedy i i really appreciate appreciated the sort of charming subtle comedy mm. was just there and their mannerisms and the, there were yeah. some lovely back and forths and the, the cole porter is is a warm cozy comedy i think yeah but the more yeah, i think so the, but the more sort of brash attempts at comedy that were thi- mm. things like you know somebody suddenly falling over or the, there was that the scene when they suddenly ran out into the pool and they were both wearing bathers and oh yeah the, which it could have been charming, but it just felt too forced. And the same with Burt Reynolds, just slicing his face up. I mean, that f- <laughs> if they doesn't if it doesn't work, then it really sits badly. I guess so. It was a little cringy yeah. in places. I was just torn between the two emotions of being quite charmed by mm. the characters in general mm. and the music, and then going Ugh! every time there was something like that. <laughs> 
that bombed for so, me. So, its length was a bit off-putting. You don't get t- too great an insight into the characters, and uh, occasionally it's a bit cringy in its attempts at comedy. Yeah. But the things, the things that worked for me, I felt, I felt, I, I loved every actor in their performance. Nobody oh, yeah. felt miscast. No, absolutely. Everybody was charming as fuck, and I totally got why these people are attracted to each other. Like all of them, even the butler and the um, mm. <laughs> and Elizabeth. Like I got it, what they're what they saw in each other, and I I really like Kitty actually. Yeah. Like when Johnny Spanish started getting close to Kitty, it was like, yay, you two make sense, go for it. Yeah. And Johnny's all prickish about it, and that's yeah. the other thing that works for me is the frustration. Mm. Like I, I get the frustration that nobody wants the person they should be wanting, and everybody's stuck. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was great. It felt a very modern take on it. I really liked Kitty. But then when she came, went on stage to perform the Primitive Man song, she yeah. fucking knocked it out of the park. And, <laughs> and I realised that she Such was... a weird she, song. Well, she was, yeah, but I loved it. Even though she, she was very weird and very sort of off kilter. Mm. There was just, just, it was just endlessly, effortlessly charming. Yeah, I think that's it. Well, I think we're already getting into quick-firing things we like, so let me just finish with yeah. this quote from the loser Roger Ebert, the only twat okay. who actually liked the thing. It's impossible not to feel affection for At Long Last Love, Peter Bogdanovich's much-maligned evocation of the classic 1930s musical. It's a light, silly, impeccably stylish entertainment, and the movie's no masterpiece, but I can't account for the viciousness of some of the critical attacks against it. It's almost as if Bogdanovich is being accused of the sin of pride for daring to make a musical in the classical Hollywood style. Bogdanovich has too much taste, too sure a feel for the right tone to go seriously wrong. And if he doesn't go yeah. spectacularly right, at least he provides small pleasures and great music. I agree. I, I mean, I yeah. agree. It just it, it just seems like a an overly harsh reception for a film that was, that feel, was well-meaning yeah. and, and supremely charming. Yeah, that was... That was this sincere. I mean, it's silly. It's clearly not a cash yeah. grab, anything like that. It's a real attempt to make something sweet, funny, and you know, yeah. interesting in a musical way. And I think they succeeded for yeah. the most part. Yeah, I think so. Cool. Well, let's get into quick firing. Quick fire. I like that music box at the beginning, with um the sort of uh, tinny little music box chiming, which then turns into the full orchestra. Yeah. Um. But the moment where the, the ladies switched places was actually quite creepy because the two figures stop dancing and then the ladies very slowly and silently mm. swap round partners and then it starts up again. Mm. Kind of sinister. Yeah. And I liked also the 30s movie font that went along with it. Yeah, and ending on that as well I thought was, was a nice melancholy ending until the fanfare came in. You'd prefer just cut to silence and then... Yeah, that would have been I mean, amazing. La La Land has a bitter ending followed by a big fanfare. I think it kind of, I don't know. I didn't mind it. I, th- I think it would have, it just would have affected me more to have gone to silence <laughs> after the music box. You see, if Gaspar Noe was directing this. Yeah. If, <laughs> look, am I the only one who thought <laughs> it should have ended with Beethoven's ninth or fifth or whatever it is? <laughs> fifth. Fifth uh, or fifth? It should have ended with an electronic Brian Eno rendition <laughs> of Gymnopody by Eric Sarte. <laughs> Just so everybody knew. <laughs> Everyone knows their place and who they are <laughs> and why they're shit compared to Noe. Kitty O'Kelly. She has a zebra skin rug in her apartment, which is <laughs> real classy. <laughs> oh, um, everybody, for some reason, most of them, after they finish their initial song, they do something by accident and then make a noise to express yeah. dissatisfaction at having done it. Johnny Spanish closes a window too fast and smashes it and then goes, ah, 
Yeah. But um, my favorite was <laughs> Kitty, who um, very obviously deliberately spills champagne on herself as she lies down. Yeah. And then just gets up and goes, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> During that song, when she's singing, she does a drunk voice crack, which is excellent. Oh, yeah. She's, she's lean, leaning over the balcony or something like, well, I didn't find <laughs> You can put in a sample of her doing that rather than me trying to make up a song. <laughs> I'll do that. Here I am above the town. Thanks. Oh, initially, I referred to Johnny as just Venetian guy because I didn't get his name until quite a bit in. When he's going down to annoy the fucking um, guy who owns the um, newsstand. And first of all, a newsstand that's open in the middle of the night in 70s Crazy New York. America. In 70s New York. It was just the sexiest thing. I love that. That you could go there after yeah. your big business thing. And, uh, hey, Johnny, how's it going? Not bad. Yeah. How's, how's tricks? You know, just, oh, it bespoke such a time and place. I loved it. But on his way there, he does a little tap dance down the street. And that always shows class. How's the news, Johnny? Well, I'm, it doesn't come in for four hours. I've literally <laughs> got nothing to do in this hut. <laughs> Would you like some cigarettes, little child? It's the 40s. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Again, actually, the the end of that the end of that bit when he goes into his apartment, um, I love the reveal of his pretend suit. Yes, I had that. I liked his very small but ultra buff Gene Kelly style physique. <laughs> yes, he was very well, slim and short, but should have flaunted that. Yeah, mm. man, <laughs> should have more of that. Very tight sailor suit. That's what he should have worn. Yeah, let's get some hunks every, in this film. Every scene. I mean, we get some side boob from Miss Shepherd. We could have done with more. Full boobage from Johnny Spanglish. Um, speak, speaking of the side boob, there's some side thigh from Sybil Shepherd as well. Is that when the guys are moving the uh, thing in? And, um... Yeah, it's ex- <laughs> it's excellent. Yeah. The 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 punchline of the two sort of bellboys look staring at the thigh and slamming into the door. <laughs> it's done in a it's done in a proper thirties. We don't need a stump man way. Yeah, and Elizabeth comes in and sort of just covers the leg with a bit of thing. She's a handsome woman. Is that Sybil Shepherd? Certainly is. My note is Shepard looks ridiculous, but holy fuck, she's gorgeous. Oh, <laughs> look, you can just keep saying that if you want. <laughs> Multiple quick fires. <laughs> I can't stop. Burt Reynolds then just getting out of the fucking car was pretty exciting. <laughs> the way they filmed it was really yeah. dynamic. Yeah. Ooh, my voice broke in the middle of it. It was so dynamic. <laughs> dynamic. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty exciting. Oh, God. Sybil Shepard. <laughs> she's so beautiful. <laughs> um. Oh boy, I've got the note, fuck Reynolds is suave. I think it's when he's chatting to Kitty, having just recently taken her fucking head life, off. Life, yeah. Um, yeah, taking her life. <laughs> now who's this? Rodney James, he used to drive for me. Very funny. Hello, Rodney. <clears throat> Pleasure. He's very formal. Yes, tries to conversate with me. What's your name? Kitty O'Kelly. I don't believe that. Well, I know what you mean. But the real one is Kathy Clunk, with a K. How would that look in life? Mommy, with <laughs> I'm bleeding out, but sweet Christ, do I want to ride your mustache to, to Happy Land. <laughs> By which I mean emergency room. <laughs> Please, hurry. The, um, the conversation between Johnny Spanish. Johnny Spanish, what a name. What a and name. Sybil Shepherd. When uh, he's saying, I'm tremendously rich. Oh, how rich? Oh, oh that rich. It's, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Okay, look, I'm not going to just keep talking about how gorgeous and charming Sybil Shepherd is, but, but. <laughs> whenever she puts her glasses on, I fucking love it. It's it's oh, rare yeah, enough yeah. That, a char- that a character like her would have glasses, but whenever she puts them on, she often follows it up with a sort of really determined look. 
Um, yes. Especially after shushing Burt Reynolds at the theatre. Yeah. It's an earnest attempt to focus on whatever she's looking at. It was, <sighs> it was great. It was, it was cute. When they have the, the mix-up with the seats and Burt Reynolds is saying, he's like, I can't, can't possibly compromise. I have to. Yeah. Rodney, you see, he, he gets very, very upset. And then <laughs> in the drollest way, Rodney just goes, I become uncontrollable. <laughs> oh, I think she gets, she has a line when she's at Pitnick with Johnny, Sybil Shepherd, where she says something like, um, oh, he says, do you need money? And she's like, I don't need money. It's the hotel. Do they need money? Well, I mean, they keep asking for it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> that whole conversation actually is a lot of, yeah. a lot of, a lot of good snappy moments. A lot, a lot of laughs. The line when they're unstringing everyone's bow ties, mm. one guy does it to this old bloke and he goes, that's the fashion, George. I know, but Mildred's so out of touch. It's delivered in this really jam. <laughs> esque way <laughs> very Chris Morris yeah go oh, yeah. dude I can't help but relating everything to really troubling <laughs> existentially challenging cinema and, and niche TV at the moment if you just look inside Paul's mind it's just an emaciated child <laughs> stood in a really crap English living room with a Fredbear sofa and an old fat man comes in asking where <laughs> his beer is but yeah I think I, I, well, I turn 32 tomorrow I think I'm just going through a, a thing <laughs> Fair next next week I'll be fine I'll be sober everyone <laughs> don't believe it for a second everyone oh when Burt Reynolds is saying um, you're in our seats um, Sybil Shepard says something like you're very literal yeah yeah. <laughs> that was good and then I, I love the tall people um, the fact that they can't get into an arrangement where they can see the stage and it ends with them yeah. just sort of all awkwardly peeking out from behind the people they're meant to be they're sat behind and it was yes. very funny framing. In the friendship song, there's uh-huh. a, a little heel movement that uh, Horsey X model Sybil Shepherd and oh. Kitty O'Kelly do. <laughs> um, and, it's a, and it's accompanied by a cymbal crash every single time they do it. It was a really <laughs> pleasing sound and sight combination. I don't know, I don't know why, just whoosh, 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 <laughs> when they do their little movement. It was great. There was also in that song a couple of... Now the tap the tap dancing in this song was woefully out of time to to pretty much everything. Yes, but in, it was, and that annoyed me. But in in this one bit, there were a couple of really good moments for Bert and Johnny. And um, <laughs> is it confusing that we've been referring to Bert Reynolds and Sybil Shepherd by their real names and Johnny and Kitty by their their character <laughs> names? Nope. Oh, good. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't remember Bert Reynolds' character name. He played Bert Reynolds. <laughs> he played Bert Reynolds. Bertman. And Sybil Shepherd was Sybil Shepherd, the most charming woman alive. Very true. Unless you work for the fucking National Review, <laughs> in which case she's a horse-faced ex-model. They say that about Sarah Jessica Parker too. I don't know what kind of fucking gorgeous horses these people are hanging around. What well, the comparisons abound. But there's also a really great bit of tapping with Bert and Johnny, and it's in time, and they carry themselves like actual dancers, which made me think maybe they had some training. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> Um, a couple of points relating to Kitty's uh, Primitive Man show. I love the fact yeah. that the first audience reaction they cut to, everybody just looks astounded or sort of gobsmacked <laughs> by what they're seeing. Yeah. Especially Sybil Shepherd with her mouth sort of aga- agape. <laughs> yeah. Whilst um, someone else is just like teeth gritted, kind of. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is this? <laughs> and, then f- and then the show ends by having Tarzan sweep in and just fucking take Kitty out again. Yeah. Cool. She's a fucking physically fit woman that she could just have men sweep in from stage left over and over again, taking her fucking out. Throw themselves at her like a hardy boy. One of my favorite things about this is Burt Reynolds' delighted laughter. And it happens after, um, it first happens after uh, Elizabeth says something to Rodney. 
Yeah. Like it's the diminutive line. It's like I never used a diminutive. Oh, I read there's not the only thing about you that's diminutive or something like that. And he just fucking giggles with glee. <laughs> he's so happy about it. And he does it again when he's in the swimsuit later on. He's just kind mm. of running like He's <laughs> <laughs> like you're Burt Reynolds. This is great. I just like the idea that ultra masculine Burt Reynolds with his big mustache is just <laughs> the giddiest schoolgirl when he gets really happy. Is that the scene when everyone around Rod is absolutely pissing themselves laughing while he stares deadpan off screen? Because <laughs> you believe it is. That is amazing. <laughs> Rod was Rod was great. Fuck he was. He was the best. When the mother shows up and she they're playing catch with the football. Oh yeah. She catches it out of the air and then fucking runs hunched with it to score a touchdown is so fucking incongruous with the comedy of the rest of the film it's brilliant <laughs> oh good stuff just before that when br walks into shepherd BR now br br you your mates now down at the club <laughs> yeah i call all my mates by their fucking initials it's a show of endearment for me p-a-g pag <laughs> took you a while to remember that one <laughs> Who the fuck are you? I remembered some of one, it was in common. One letter me, but... from your own. <laughs> but which one? That's the conundrum. <laughs> anyway, Burt Reynolds walks into Sybil Shepherd and she's wearing the mushrooms on her face or whatever it is. Cucumbers. Oh, yeah. And cucumbers. Um, she screams at him, at which point he looks and sees the cucumbers and he screams at her. And his scream is just very girly. <laughs> and again, that just made oh. me smile. Um, Actually, during the song where he and Sybil are wooing each other, uh-huh. He opens the decanter to his whiskey. The top comes out too quickly and he kind of jumps and goes ah! before carrying on as nothing <laughs> happened. And I, I'd like to think that that was just, that was improvised. Completely unexpected. What a fucking professional. A couple of moments with Burt Reynolds when he's at the party. Uh, first of all, when he does his little, mm. a couple of steps of the um, of the tap dance and he looks up and just everyone is fucking staring at him. Like, don't you fucking yeah. do that. Don't you fucking dare. Not here mate. at the racket club. Or make a racket with your bones. Um, See? <laughs> but then he does, he do, He tells people how posh people react to um, bad news. And at mm. the end of it, he says, and I shall tell you how a racket club member shall behave. And then he does it like a really cheesy posh guy smile. Yeah. Like with his upper lip sticking out. And that was, that was that, great. That was really great. That's one of the sort of main <laughs> visual memories I've got from that film. <laughs> Actually, at the end of the, the seduction song, when Sybil pulls... I've also written BR down onto the sofa. Yep. Uh, he, he just before he goes under, he gives a very quick look to camera. Yes. They're like, oh, oh, in here. Here I go again. <gasps> but what a swell party this is, because that was my favorite song. Oh, the banquet during that song looks fucking delicious. There's some really oh, yeah. well cooked beef there, which Johnny gesticulates with. <laughs> just fucking heaps his plate with. <laughs> he's a hungry man, Paul. No wonder he's dead. <laughs> when Sybil is sort of mourning her past relationship the elizabeth is it the maid she gets a call good news somebody's got good news i think johnny's made a million dollars or something yeah and uh and sybil just goes oh congratulations and elizabeth oh, yeah. turns to the phone and goes she says congratulations <laughs> <laughs> yeah i had a note of that the doorman just oh yeah johnny and kitty come in and they're sort of kissing and kind of making out and the doorman the fucking comedic relief doorman has just kind of stood there awkwardly right next to them yeah, it's a really good comedic <laughs> framing of him just sort of. Why am I on screen? <laughs> I oh. didn't even know. Should I? Should I? D- 
do I do a dance? Peter, do I do I do the dance? Is this is this my dance? Do I do the dance? No? Okay. I can um right. Practice for six weeks, but I was born in darkness. <laughs> and that's what <laughs> I just cut from that. <laughs> when Rodney finally gets Stockholm syndrome for the woman who's been assaulting him yeah. throughout the whole thing. Uh, he goes up to the guy that she's dancing with and just says, beat it, Junior. Yeah. And when he goes off, and then she says, what are you doing in the morning? And he says, what did you have in mind? Which is a great callback. Um, for me, it was just the the song, which I assume is called He Loves You But You Don't Love Him or something like that. Um, But my, like I said, I had an issue with the time and I was thinking it's not really the epic story that a two-hour runtime mm. Would, would justify it's not Les Mis you know sure um, but the but this song that the two women sing in the park uh, yeah. where they're, t- they're talking they're, they're singing about the fact that you know they had they had love with these two guys and then because of Sybil and Burt Reynolds they broke everyone broke up yeah. and now everyone loves the, the wrong, wrong person. person yeah it reminded me of what's the name of the Emma Stone song the, the fucking amazing one at the end of La La Land here's to the fools who dream um, that's it. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Reminded me of "Here's to the Fools Who Dream." Just it yeah. put a really nice. It was a, a really nice closer to the story that had been unfolding. Yeah, and it made it gave it almost gave the impression that I had watched a two-hour <laughs> epic. There's poignancy there, and you're right. In that park scene, all of the sadness is there. I might have had a real romance if they'd given me a chance. I loved him, but he didn't love me. I wanted him, but he didn't want me. Then the gods set us free and indulged in another whim. Now he loves me, but I don't love him. Ultimately, it's a film I'd recommend. I think it's not a bad way of uh, spending a couple of hours. It's got, you know, yeah. some really sweet moments, and I'm glad I saw it. And, uh, yeah, once again, it's another film from the from t- past that's meant to be one of the worst ever made that hasn't quite proven to be so. Although it's yeah. not as funny as The Swarm, it has to be said. Is it a swarm of bees that'll bring me to my knees? <laughs> Have you considered the Africans? <laughs> That's a little racist. Michael Kens. <laughs> what if a bee <laughs> did this? <laughs> Fucking hell, a Michael K musical. There's got to be one. <laughs> you were only supposed to blow the bloody doors <laughs> off. <laughs> Fuck. No, it's hard. We're going to have to spend some time on this one, Paul. <laughs> Have you considered the bees? They're like a dance with the knees. And then he does like a really weird thing with his knees and everyone's impressed. <laughs> Number one hit, Michael Caine and his dodgy knees. <laughs> Look, here I go. I could put them in and out like this. See? Now they're going around, but you don't know where they're going to end up. But I'm doing it on purpose. Have you ever thought what would happen if we mixed the genres <laughs> of musical theatre with Michael Caine? I think it'd go a little something. I like this. Hands taken away. <laughs> Bam. Eminence. Look. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. I am Michael Caine. That's my name. Michael Caine. 
This is a film about me, Michael Caine. One star. San Francisco Chronicle described it as a bloody disaster. <laughs> Horsey. <laughs> I Horsey <done> ex. <laughs> I'd done it for my mum. <laughs> my dead mum. <laughs> I bought her a better ass. Buried her in it. <laughs> Buried her on it. <laughs> Buried the house with her in it. <laughs> and that right, mum? Oh, fuck. I forgot to put her in the bloody ass again. <laughs> Time to do another disappointing musical. <laughs> I was distracted by Hans Zimmer's immersive, engaging Casio keyboard soundtrack. <laughs> Buy it now on vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking nonsense. God. Anything from the OG team? Anything from the OG team? No. Oh, okay. No one's seen this film. <laughs> well, you should. Go out and watch it. Because it was shit, but, but it's not. <laughs> That's the twist. That's the twist. That's, that is the twist at the end of the film that Nolan likes to put in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, probably with Nolan. Everyone says Nolan films are exactly the same. There's always a twist. So many plot holes. Michael Caine can't fucking dance, they said. Don't believe it. Even to an Hans Zimmer soundtrack. Come along to Christopher Nolan's Hans Zimmer Michael Caine review. Take it away, Hans. Coming to a theatre near you. <laughs> it rhymes, which means it's true. <laughs> and that's when I realised the script was already written. <laughs> because I'd done a similar project some years earlier. <laughs> I don't often remember the projects I'm involved in. Struggled to get funding for it. It was called Michael Caine's Dancing Panorama Man Show. <laughs> Starring Michael Caine. It was a heavily racist global <laughs> review featuring all my favourite stereotypes. <laughs> Some said it was fiercely deconstructionalist of middle England attitudes towards people abroad. But that ain't what I intended. What if Michael Caine did an impression reel like Peter Serafinowicz? <laughs> I called it, I call this one African. Hello. <laughs> I'm from Africa. <laughs> I'll call this one John Malkovich. I'm John Malkovich. <laughs> Fucking hell, let's end this. Let's talk about the one better thing. The one better thing? Hail Caesar. Oh. Brilliant. Was that the film your recommendation or a sudden late surge of uh, imperialist sentiment? Well, why can't it be both? Why can't it be both Hail Caesar? <laughs> Bring back a dictatorship. Bring back crucifixion. That's what I say. It's too good for too us. Too good for us. <laughs> Oh, but in 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 the less the less effective but equally entertaining House Caesar by the Cohen Brothers, starring Josh Brolin, George Clooney, Tilda Swinton, Tilda Swinton, Channing Tatum, Scarlett Johansson, Jonah Hill, Alden Aaron, Ray Ralph, Ray Fiennes, and Francis McDormand, Josh Brolin pays Eddie Mannix, a Hollywood fixer, paid to keep the stars in line. Uh, mm. It's a couple of days in the life, and the film spans just about everything Hollywood stood for in the golden age. We have the mores, the performers, the scandal, the politics. Uh, <laughs> George Clooney as Baird Whitlock being duped by the Communist Party of America is one of the best things <laughs> I've ever seen. And then that doesn't even compare to Alden Ehrenreich and Ray Fiennes going over this one line. It's oh. perfect. It's it's yeah. the greatest. <laughs> it's a great homage to the golden age of Hollywood. It captures what made it special, mm. but brings the humor right up to date. Yeah, and what's what's dazzling is the sheer amount of physical nuance on show. Yes. Um, in addition to Channing Tatum's fucking excellent central dance number, No Dames, mm. which really fucking just captures the magic of old Hollywood musical numbers. You've also got Alden Eldenreich, who's sort of parodying how incredibly competent the um, actors like Errol Flynn used to have to be. Mm. He's playing a cowboy who can just fucking do everything. He can yeah. play guitar, he can sing, he can do these ridiculous lasso tricks, yeah. including lasso of like a noodle at one stage. <laughs> yeah, These people can just fucking do this. That's what stars <laughs> had to be, yeah. Um, my better thing is also an homage to the bad old days of uh, musicals. It's uh, La La Land. Mm. It occurs to me, we've, I think we spoke about both of these films in our best of 2016 list. 
um, as they both featured prominently. But yes, La La Land is a very sweet, emotional, and uh, really energetically fun musical featuring fabulous music throughout, some really memorable songs, great yeah. visual moments that stick with you. You know, some of the the set, just the way they lay out the dance sequences, like the opening number, Another Day of Sun, and um, of course, um, The Waste of a Lovely Night. Yeah. Just... It, which is now iconic. I see it everywhere, that image of a purple sky with, um, you know, a suited man and a yellow-dressed girl dancing with those distinctive sort of lunging moves. Yeah. It, it's it's iconic for a reason. It's gorgeous. Um, and then that fucking epic final finale at the end, oh, which just has all the emotional weight and the sort of visceral, energetic fun as well. It's a superb piece. It, re- it really is. But the moments in between the songs, the... Every scene with Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone is is excellent. Yeah. The com the comedy mm. for me is shit hot. <laughs> the 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 two the two of them together I think were perfect. Mm. And you you know you got a lot of Damien Chazelle's need to keep jazz alive <laughs> shone through. <laughs> but yeah, the it was really vital, really important character moments mm. between the songs that made the songs all the more meaningful. It did, and it actually had the guts to like strip the music out. There's no music from, I think, the montage of the two of them getting closer as a couple after that fucking amazing sequence at the observatory. They then kind of drop yeah. out any musical stuff until um, Emma Stone's song near the end, you know, the uh, Fools yeah. Who Dream, which I'm sure is called yeah. that something else, actually, but I can't remember what it is. Um, whatever. Whatever. It's only the fucking most meaningful moment of my life so far. Whatever. Yeah, there's a long stretch of no music, but it doesn't drag because mm. you're so invested in these characters and the sadness yeah. that the lack of music brings is actually kind of the point of the sequence. So yeah, it's stunning. Both of these films are amazing. Go check them out. And check out At Long Last Love. Those are the one better things and also the thing. The one better thing and also the thing. Okay, well, thank you for listening to One Good Thing. Yeah, thanks so much. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at Facebook and Twitter at OGT Pod. Send us an email at gmail, OGTPod at gmail.com. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, YouTube, where we are now uploading uh, little snippets of the pools doing funny things. We have one up there. I'm uh, making a playlist to separate it from the actual episodes, which are going up. Um, If you want to, their links are in the episode description. So if you want to show a friend, or just retweet on Twitter like a fucking twatter, (laughs) then you can do that. Uh, Podbean and Stitcher, you can also find us on there. Uh, My Novel Dockhead is available on Amazon, 599. That's a book for you. Jingles are available on Bandcamp, ogtpod.bandcamp.com for £2.50 from episodes 1 to 50. Anything you do that helps the show is really amazing. Thank you uh, to people who have already bought it. If you want to leave a review... Tell a friend, do those. We're we're slowly accruing reviews, but we could do with just a few more to Hang on. Really get gone. It's easily the nicest thing that you can do right now. I mean what's easily. what's like the best thing you could do? Go find a child and adopt it. That's difficult and probably got legal implications. If well you, how that's gonna help out the pools. Yeah, if you well, if you genuinely just want to make someone feel fucking amazing, all you gotta do is go over to that iTunes and leave a review. Yeah. And we will be coming buckets for days. If you leave, if you leave us a review and, and tweet at us, we'll, ma- we'll mention you in the show and thank you for the lovely review. And once Paul's finally finished filling up his bucket, <laughs> he will join in. He'll the, stagger the, over the, to the mic, <laughs> mumble a few pained words of commendation, <laughs> and you'll know that you're a special man. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm Paul Salt. I'm Paul Goodman. And remember, no, the one good thing about. <laughs> 
long last love. It's actually really good.